You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Mike Pretz, Kat Kalin, Jason Dickinson, and Brian Colt. Hey, everybody. This is Robert. Pretty stoked to actually share with you our guest on this episode, Remy Adelaki, who tells his story about determination, adaptability, and actually explains it in such a way that I think you guys are going to be blown away as I was. First off, Remy, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm glad you uh, you happen to have time to carve out. I guess you had a good speaking engagement this past Sunday. Looked like it uh, it went real well. Yep, yep. So yep. congratulations. Yeah, it went fantastic. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. It's honor to be here. It's and it was a great weekend. And I want to get into and you and I had talked about it. You know, the whole backstory and everything that goes with this. And so, uh, Remy commented on actually one of the posts and stuff that I had put up on Mentors for Meal. I was uh, like I do on, on occasion when people come in. I, I try to look and see, okay, what's their background and you know what's the information on them. And sometimes they have some really good mentoring or coaching comments or whatever that are underneath their posts. And I'll save those things because I might use those later on and all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> Under one of uh, Remy's uh, posts, he actually had a link that he had uh, put on there and you know a show that he had been on and stuff where he had told his story. So I reached out to him and I said, uh, the link's dead. It's not working right now. So he sent me another one. Uh, I was blown away uh, by this story. And to kind of give uh, not too much away, but basically the, the basic piece of it, which was around the fact that Remy grew up in a very hard neighborhood in the Bronx trying to find, as most kids do in that type of setting, a way to escape that and uh, go into a new world in a different environment. It's quite the climb. So I don't want to steal too much of the thunder, Remy, but maybe you can tell a little bit about the backstory here. Yeah, so I was actually, I was born in uh, in Western Africa uh, in uh, uh, Lome, Togo. I'm actually Nigerian. Though. I was just born in Togo because that's where my uh, father wanted me to be born because they had the better a better hospital out there than in Nigeria. Uh, my father was a well-known Nigerian engineer, um, uh, super successful, uh, would probably be considered a millionaire when you uh, equate the money of that time to where we are today. Um, he worked on projects all across the world. And one of the biggest, one of his biggest projects was uh, the Lagoon Development Project, which is now known as Banana Island and now known as Billionaire's Island because everybody who lives on that island are billionaires. It's a very expensive island to live on. My last name, Adeleke, means the crown is above um, because my father was a part of the Yoruba tribe, which is the tribe you know I'm from because of my father. And uh, his, his father was one of the chiefs of the Yoruba tribe. So when his father died, he became a chief in the Yoruba tribe. Uh, yeah, long story short, there's a lot of corruption. As you guys know, Nigeria is ranked by transparency um, uh, as, as the most corrupt nation in the world. And so uh, just like it, it was corrupt, it's corrupt today, it was corrupt back then. So long story short, my father died and in the same breath of my father's death. The Nigerian government stripped our family of everything. So we went from rich one day to poor the next day. Um, my mom being a strong uh, woman, the woman who actually instilled resilience in me and modeled resilience for me. Um, she picked myself up, my brother and herself up off the ground, and she permanently relocated us to one of the toughest inner cities in America, which was the Bronx. Um, growing up without a father, like I shared in my story, I, you know, I, I tried to find a father and other things, you know, and, and one of those things was the streets and, and hip hop culture and, and just, just anything that, that, that essentially I could look at and say, okay, that person is a man and I want to model my life after that person. And so, um, by the time I was 19, I had been involved in selling drugs. Um, I got involved in all kinds of scams from the time I was, 
I was 14, I was scamming sneaker stores. And then by the time I was 19, I was scamming cell phones. I was just, I was into all of it, anything that I could do to make money um, in order to, to fund my record company because I wanted to be a rapper and, and, and I wanted to have a record. As a matter of fact, I ended up I ended up producing an album, a compilation album with the drug money and other stuff that I was, you know, other money I was making. Uh, long story short, I got involved in a deal with a drug dealer that went bad, um, but it was a blessing because it was a huge wake up call for me. And, you know, I gave the street life for about six months. And then one morning I was laying in my bed and I heard this voice tell me, you need to get out of here. Uh, you need to join the military. And years earlier, I had seen a movie by the name of The Rock. And that was the first time I was exposed to Navy SEALs. And so I decided, OK, I'm going to go join the Navy to be a SEAL. <laughs> and went to the Navy recruiter. She ran my background, found out I had oh two warrants off my arrest. But she saw something in me I didn't see in, my, in myself. And she uh, took me to the judge in New Jersey and explain my situation to him. And he was like, okay, I'll expunge his record if he's willing to you know, turn his life around and, 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 and um, I'll just make a pay the court fees and court fines. She took me to the judge in New York and explained to him, hey, this kid's trying to join the military after 9-11 took place, an act of war, can you do something for him? And the judge said the same thing. And, and my, my recruiter told me, she said, Remy, when you get to boot camp, there's going to be an evolution called Moment of Truth, which I'm sure, you know, the rest of the veterans on, on this uh, podcast can can uh, attest to. And she said, a Moment of Truth, they're going to ask you, hey, did you ever have a record? Did you ever get arrested for anything? And and did your recruiter tell you to lie and not say anything? She said, they're going to say that to you. And if they do, you better say no or you're going to end up getting kicked out. Wow. So, so anyway, what that was my backstory. <laughs> I mean, that's just Holy tremendous, cow. man. And considering um, the environment that you grow up in in Nigeria, and then, of course, you go into a, a very difficult neighborhood in the Bronx and everything, then again, it might not yeah. have been so difficult for you because of having, you know, lived in the environment that you grew up in in Nigeria. I mean, it sounds like you were very accustomed to living in a rough environment in a place where you had to try to stand your own and place your own ground. Not necessarily because my father was wealthy. So we didn't live in a house. We lived on a compound. We had nannies. We had drivers. We had we had, I mean, it all, we traveled all over the world, Paris, France. I mean, we, so we lived the rich life. I mean, we lived a better life than a lot of Americans live here in the States because of the amount of money and influence that my father had. So, and, and which, which, you know, kind of speaks to volumes of my mom, because my mom went from this very rich housewife to poor. And she, and, and she could have easily just fell on the floor and tried to find another rich guy to marry so that she could keep the lifestyle that she that she had, but she didn't, you know, so, so, so we went from a very adverse situation, from a very easy situation to a very adverse situation. So no, I was just going to say, this was a pretty cool story to come in on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, brother. Uh, that's awesome. Thanks, brother. Yeah, no, it is amazing. And the fact that you were sitting in a movie theater and you saw that, and that's what inspired you. What was the one thing that you took away from that? That kind of like said, all right, man, that's, that's me. I can see myself doing that. Well, it was actually, it was, it was actually two movies. In reality, I just kind of cut the other one out for the sake of time. I didn't want to go on too far, but actually the first movie was bad boys. And oh, I thought you was going to see green beret with, with our boy Rambo. Yeah, John Wayne and, and the no, whole I, I bit. Like no, Rambo. yeah. I like Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> Not Rambo. No, man. The, hey, Robert, the Colonel and Rambo. Were... <laughs> we're, on, we're on sacred ground here, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Scott's favorite film. The only bit, the only thing I, uh, yeah, it is. And I, I, I can't handle that Colonel, man. Just uh, wearing the beret like whoa, a damn whoa, 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 chef's right. hat. And... Hey, we're supposed to be making fun of the seal, not the SF guys. <laughs> I mean, he tells this whole sob story, so now we can't make fun of it without feeling bad. But, you know, you know what's coming, so we got to. Hey, I, hey, I can take it. I can take it. 
Nice try, man. But you got thick skin. You can't. You can't get off that easy. Yeah, you were saying, Remy, that you were watching the other movie, and I cut you off and took you down the rabbit hole so I could uh, get Scott alive over here. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So I was. I watched Bad Boys, and um, that was like the first movie I recall seeing with two African American men who kind of, you know, they looked like me. They had somewhat of the same swagger I had, and and they weren't playing drug dealers or or gangsters or anything. They, they were actually playing, you know, heroes. You know, they were running a yeah. gun and saving a day, and so. When I saw that, I was just like, you know, a switch kind of went off in my mind. And I was just like, wow, there is more out there than what I'm than what I live in. There is more out there than than what I see on TV and movies like I could actually be a hero in some sense. And so but I didn't know which type of hero I would be. Um, even at the time, I hated the cops. Um, so I was just like, yeah, hey, that's cool. I can't see myself being a cop. And then a year later, um, The Rock came out. And when I saw these Navy SEALs who were, you know, coming out of the water and sneaking onto this island to go sacrifice themselves to save other people. And they had all this cool gear. And even though they died, I was just like, wow, man, you know, if I ever turn my life around, if I ever turn my life around, I know it's far fetched. That's what I would do. I would be a seal. And so, um, that, that seed was planted within me, but you know, after a few months, reality set in, and I was just like, there's no way I could be a seal, man. This is the, I'll never make it out the Bronx. Like this is my life. This is what I'll, where I'll be for the rest of my life. So that seed was planted deep within me, but it was, it was kind of gotten, I'm just with Remy, what I'm hearing, you know, like um, some of the words you're using, it definitely sounds like faith was a huge part of your journey. And uh, oh, can absolutely. you just talk a little bit about how that came into play, how that might have been kind of what turned you around? Yeah, you know, um, honestly, in retrospect, I truly believe that God was guiding me. Like, you know, I, I vacillated between being an agnostic and being an atheist for, for, I mean, until I was 26. That's when I when I really kind of gave my life to the Lord and became a Christian. But um, before that, you know, I, I, I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe, I hated Christianity. I hated, I hated it all. As a matter of fact, I remember I would make fun of Christians and make fun of the Bible and all that kind of stuff. But in retrospect, I truly believe that that God was with me, protecting me, guiding me, opening up doors for me, closing doors for me in order to get me to that point where, where I did eventually turn to him. You know, um, I tried to rationalize it at that time as my conscious, my subconscious guided me here. My subconscious did this. But when when I have as much luck <laughs> as I had, and at, at some instant you gotta kind of be like, well, there's not a person on this planet that that lucky. There must be something else going on. And so um so yeah, I, I truly believe that that it was the Lord who was who was just had his hand on my life, you know. Well, there's a lot of people that may say they want to go be a SEAL, but it's another thing to actually follow through with it. So, uh, you know, tell tell us about how that was, because, again, trying to make that transition and going through buds and the whole bit, mm -hmm. you know, that's so, again, it's one thing to one talk quick about. Question, it. And I, I know you guys are very bashful and humble about it, but I, I think I've heard somewhere remotely that there's like a hell week or some like rough budget <laughs> hard or something. He's, he's yeah. trying to get y'all <laughs> trying to get y'all wired up, Remy. You know, yeah, it now. you know, buzz is buzz is easy. <laughs> What's your program? What's the Green Beret program called? Man? <laughs> <laughs> About the <laughs> hey, know your, know your enemy, brother. I got to come on. So I'm, I'm not giving you ammo, man. Come on. <laughs> oh, man, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> well, somebody teach me, man, because I haven't heard too much about the Green Berets, man. So if you can teach me something. <laughs> I'm just joking, man. Just nothing. nothing but love, man. Nothing but love. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, when I showed up to boot camp, I couldn't swim. 
Um, I didn't have the academic scores. And contrary to popular belief, you can't be an idiot to be a SEAL. You have to kind of, just like with Green Berets and PJs and other guys from other, other soft forces, they, they all know yeah. Berets and, and, and PJs and, and MARSOC, you have to score along, you have to score high on your ASVAP test. You can't be an idiot and yeah. be part of SOCOM, be part of SOF. And so I didn't, I didn't have the scores um, in order to be a SEAL. And so, and then I was skinny. I was skinny my whole life. I just played the thug thing with baggy clothes and big shirts, but I was in reality i fought a lot i grew up fighting a lot but um but i was kidding so when i got to my first command which was naval hospital camp pendleton i had an hm3 which uh no is it corporal corporal uh uh, uh, e4 is a corporal in in the army and yeah corporal or specialist either one yeah so i had an hm3 and she treated me like crap i mean she was so condescending she was just a wicked woman man and um and the way she treated me motivated me to really chase this Navy SEAL thing because I don't, I think I wanted to be a SEAL, but I just needed that kick in the butt. And I think the way she treated me kind of motivated me to get out of that situation because I figured that if I stayed at that, that hospital, which was my duty station, because I was a corpsman, I ended up knocking her out and ended up going to prison or something like that. <laughs> so, um, because I was I was still street at the time, you know, but yeah, yeah. At the same time, I wanted to honor the recruiter who snuck me into the Navy, though. And so, um, so I would get up every day. I spent four hours every day. I didn't have a car. I would run three miles to this pool um, that was on base because I was on Camp Pendleton at the time, and I would jump in the water and just flail around. And I remember the lifeguards; everybody would just be laughing, me like, "What is this black dude doing? He's about to drown!" Like, what's going on over here? <laughs> you know where i could stand up and be okay and then um and then gradually i humbled myself and i just started asking the lifeguards hey can you can you talk me through this and so from the lifeguard tower different lifeguards would just say hey you need to stroke like this you need to do this and then um and then i would run three miles back back to my barracks and study my asvap books and and then also i would go to the gym and i didn't have anybody to train me but i would watch like the buds two three three two three four video and other videos and just make up workouts make up pull-up workouts make up push-up workouts i would just run i would just make stuff up and gradually over time i began to put on weight i went from like 150 when i joined the navy to like 180 by the time wow like six months you know and probably uh all muscle at that point because i mean if you're putting on yeah muscle it was all muscle and um lats started popping out of my back biceps started at me i was just like man and, and and then and then I I, I took the screening test. It's just like Green Berets and, and uh, PJs. You got to take a, a physical screening test in order to get into the program. And um, I'm not sure if it's the same, but we have to do a 500 yard swim followed by you know uh, push ups, pull up uh, push ups, sit ups, pull ups, and then a mile and a half run in boots and pants. You do it back to back. And um, I took the test the first time and I actually failed to swim. But the uh, guy who the seal who gave me the test said, "Hey, would you like to continue the rest of the test?" And I said, "Absolutely." Um, and so, so I continue the rest of the test. I crushed the rest of the test. And he said, you know what? I usually ask guys that question, like, would they like to continue the test after they fail to swim? And usually guys will say no, because they know that once you fail one part, you fail a whole part. But the fact that you continued on and didn't quit, that shows that you have the mental capacity to, to make it through this program. So here's what I'll do for you. I'll come back in three months, retest you, you pass until you get orders to butts. Nice. Um, so I did that. I, I got in the pool even more, just crushed my swimming. And then I, 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 I three months later, he came back, retested me and I got accepted into buds. Nice. Remy, uh, going back to this, uh, this lady, um, who is the wicked lady 
Would yeah. you say that she was just putting a lot of doubt in your mind and like she was telling you that you weren't going to amount to anything? Like what, what was she doing that kind of motivated you? Well, it was just like she just didn't like me for some strange reason. Like she like she would she just didn't like me the way she talked to me. Like and she it was a weird thing. I, I don't know if I reminded her ex-boyfriend or some dude that did her wrong, <laughs> but it was a weird thing. I, I'm not sure if that's answering your question, but it just seemed like she didn't like me. The way that motivated me is, in the sense was it, it just motivated me to, to train in order to get out of that program. Like I didn't yeah. need to think to her because I, I don't, I, I think the way she treated me and how she was towards me, it didn't matter whether I made it or not to her. Um, but I just wanted to get out of there just for, for my sake, you know, also, also along with that, um, I kind of left this part out. There was a, a Lieutenant Colonel, um, a Marine who would see me running to the pool. And one day he pulled me aside in the locker room and he said, Hey, I see you running. And, and then he took me under his wing and really worked with me on the swimming. So that's actually what got me to the point where I was able to pass the screening test. Um, so yeah. Yeah, you're you're a pretty humble guy, man. So it's not like uh, you know you're trying to embellish this a whole lot or anything. But I mean, what was the struggle like, or how was the acceptance like once you got on SEAL Team? I mean, was it something that you still had to kind of prove yourself, or you felt like, hey, I'm here, you know, I'm, I've I've done what I needed to do to prove that, uh, and you were embraced, or was the struggle still kind of real? Oh, when you mean when I, when I got the buds or when I got to the teams? When you after you got to the team? Oh, I mean, dude. It's respect across the board. Once you, I mean, yeah, everybody who just like the rest of the guys on on the on the on the on the podcast know, you know, that the buds or whatever program it is that you go through that that creates the buy-in, you know, uh, because because you know that the guy to your right and the guy to your left, when you're operating, you know that that they went through the exact same thing you went through, and you know that they want to be on the team with you if they didn't go through what you went through, and so when you show up to the SEAL team, it's just like equal slate. Everybody's on the same wavelength. You know, uh, there is no, I need to prove myself. I mean, you, I mean, obviously every seal, every soft guy, you know, green berets, PJs, we want to be the best, you know, British special forces. We all want to be the best of what we do. That's why we go through the program in order to be the best. So when you get to the team crushing it, it's just an everyday thing for you. So, um, so there is no, I need to prove anything to this guy or I need to do this, whatever. I mean, none of that really existed. At least I, I, I don't think so. I could be wrong, but personally, I don't. I didn't see that. Remy, <laughs> the, the the thing that's jumping out to me throughout everything you've been saying so far is your your determination and your adaptability. You know, and it, it seems to me that that's passed down from your mother with everything yeah. that happened to you and and picking yourself and or herself and your, your family up and and moving you not not just to another town or something, you know, another continent to a completely foreign environment uh, and restarting again. And with your, when you grew up then with uh, drugs and falling into bad habits and things and then changing your life again and, you know, being mm -hmm. determined, right, this is what I want to do and the focus and the drive to, yeah. to go and achieve that. And, you know, joining the military and, and not going straight into the BUDS program and, and going into uh, as a corpsman and then yeah. running three miles to go to the pool. And, you know, you, you can't swim, just getting in the water and, and trying to figure it out and asking people. So your determination and mm. your drive really is the thing that stands out for me with, with yeah. what you've been saying so far. Thank you. Yeah, that's something that, man, I, 
I swear, man, I look back on my life as I even ask myself, man, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. My mom, she's a beast, man. People see my mom and they think she's my sister because um, she's 65. She looks like she's 40. She works. She crushes the gym every day. She eats super healthy. So it was my mom. My mom is just, she's just always been a gritty woman, you know? And, um, and then, you know, it was little things along the way that really show me that I do have what it takes to accomplish anything that I want to accomplish. And I think one, one story that sticks out to me and I write about it in my book is coming out next year, January, 2019. But, um, I was in, when I was in high school, I was smart. I was never an idiot. I just, I just didn't do well when I didn't apply myself. I'm the type of person mm-hmm. when I apply myself in school, I, I, I could run circles around other students. But when I was in high school, I was hustling. I was chasing girls. I was making tons of money. And um, what I would do is I would wait, usually wait to the end of the semester, every semester of high school to you really to you know catch up, do extra assignments, really do my work. And then I would pass my classes, but barely pass my classes. Well, my last my last um, semester of high school, my senior year, I had I passed every class and then I got my report card and I failed one class English. And the next day was graduation. And my counselor told me, she said, you know, Remy, you failed English. You're going to have to go to summer school. You're not graduating high school tomorrow. And I said, no. I said, hell no. No, no, no. I'm graduating high school. She said, no, it's impossible. You can't graduate high school tomorrow. You failed English. You had to pass every single class. And I, I sat there with her for like 15 minutes. And I was just like, no, we got to figure out something. We got to figure out something. So finally, she said, you know what? There's nothing you can really do, but if you want to go try, try and go talk to your high school, to your uh, the teacher who failed you, the English teacher who failed you. Maybe he might do something. I've never seen it happen, but it might be able, he might do something. So I was like, Roger that. So I ran down to the hall, down the hall into his office, and I went in there very aggressive. I was like, listen, man, you failed me. You shouldn't have failed me. That's just jacked up. And I knew I was wrong. <laughs> I was just like, I was just going, I was just jacked up. How could you fail me? I, I can't go to summer school. I'm trying to do music. And he was quiet. And he said, listen, Remy. You failed because you didn't show up to class every time. He said, you know, you, you turn in your assignments late. And the times you did turn them in, they, they were halfway done. He said, you know why you failed. I didn't care for 30 minutes. I stayed in that office and I just just tried everything. I mean, I, I tried pleading. I tried being aggressive. I tried apologizing. And then finally he broke. And he's like, all right, you want me to change your grade? I'll change your grade. But the only way I'm going to change your grade is if you do a 100-page report as to why English is important in our current society and have it on my desk by six in the morning tomorrow. And if you do that, I'll change your grade and you could graduate tomorrow with the rest of your class. And I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. hundred <laughs> pages. hundred pages, hundred pages. No exaggeration. He said a hundred pages. And I remember like 30 seconds later, this girl, and I'm going to just change her name for the sake of the story. Shania. I'll just call her Shania. She comes in and she says the same thing. And, and he said, because I offered this to Remy, I'll offer it to you. And so we both left. I went home, procrastinated for three hours, and I got on the computer, and I just started grinding, 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 grinding. At 5 a.m., I finished my 100-page report why English is important in current society. And um, I, 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 I took a nap for like 30 minutes. Then I jumped in, my, jumped in the cab, and I sped to my high school, and I turned in an assignment. And he looked at me like, you really did this? I said, yeah, I did it. And then he, he scanned through some pages. He read some, scanned some more, read some. He said, all right, change your grade. He said, you know, I wish you would have done this all semester, what you did last night. I hope this is a learning lesson for you. 
And when he changed my grade, I was able to graduate two hours later. And, and then that was a big turning point in my mind where I was just like, if I can convince this dude to change my grade and then do the work that's necessary, for, I could do anything in life. Dude, you had nine lives. I mean, how many have you used up so far? Oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, That's, that's, oh that's cool. So, Remy, I have uh, a question. So after, I guess, so you're, you're very driven to become a SEAL. And once you were operational, what became kind of your drive at that point? Um, well, I always hated bullies, man. I, I grown up in the Bronx, man. I saw a lot of people get jumped. I've been, I was, I remember when I was about nine years old, I got, I got jumped and beat up by a 40 year old dude who just got out of prison and a 19 year old dude. So, so I just, I always hated bullies. I always hated people who shot. And I had a, a friend of me and my brother, she got murdered in a laundromat down the street from where we lived, shot in the face. She was 15 years old. Um, and so I just wanted to go after dudes who, 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 who hurt people who couldn't protect themselves. You know, a scripture that really has always been with me is um, Proverbs 31, 8 through 9, where it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak, yeah, speak up for the poor and the helpless and ensure that they get justice. And so for me, I just wanted to go after those dudes who oppress the weak who oppress those who can't protect themselves. You know, I wanted to be the sheepdog that stands in the gap between the sheep and the wolves, just like all you guys here. And so that was my motivation every single day. And as you guys know, you know, we all going after some evil, wicked, wicked, wicked dudes, man, who have no regard for life, who kill innocent people, kids, women. And and I just wanted to be that dude that knocks on their door and be like, yo, what up? I'm here. You will mess with somebody. Mess with Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's, that's what it was to me personally, you know. Now, Scott would have said the difference between the SEALs and the SF is that he kicks the door in. So he's a door kicker. You knocked on it. So I don't know which one's the right uh, methodology. I think I'm trying it. to behave here, man. So I, even, I didn't even buy into the whole, like, he has a book coming out in January yet. So I'm yeah. saving that one for later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, you know, I've I, I ran from the book thing for a long time. You know, like, I, I, you know, as you guys know, it's taboo in our community to write a book. But what? Years for years, people. Approach. I think you guys get a book deal with buds when you graduate, man. You just try that a movie deal and a book deal. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I, you know, I hey, think did it twelve strong. Wasn't that a? Wasn't that a? Listen, army? Scott, you know, you, that's Scott, a true you know story, you're gonna be man. at the we book didn't... signing. You're gonna be yeah, at the book yeah. signing live. The first guy, Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just followed him on Instagram. I'm a fan. I'm sitting here like hanging on every word, <laughs> man. You're gonna be doing it, man. I think you guys started. Right, shut up. I gotta act tough. I gotta act tough. Come on, I'm representing here. You guys, man. John Wayne. And, and, and Rambo and all that. We got Thor now too, man. We got John Wayne, Rambo, and Thor. You guys got Nicolas Cage and Charlie Sheen. Come on, dude. Oh wow. <laughs> and we got Mark Wahlberg too, man. Oh yeah, you got Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. That was, that was yeah. actually good. All right. That was actually a good one. Yeah. It looked like you had a lot of people along the way that really believed in you. And so they kind of helped instill that motivation in you as well. I mean, every story that you told, there was somebody, too, that kind of helped along the way. So you may have had the, the gal that was HM3, but you had the lieutenant colonel Marine. You may have had, you know, the failures in life as far as the English paper and everything. But you had a, then a teacher who believed in you and gave you a second chance. You had a recruiter that did the exact same thing because she saw something within you. So with, with every... Um, roadblock there was somebody there that helped clear the path yeah absolutely and i mean and that goes back to my faith you know i was truly i truly believe that it was it was god strategically planning these people in my life along the way 
you know, like the opportunities were there, but, and I, I had to be prepared for the opportunity. So it wasn't a thing where somebody just gave me a handout here, yeah. take this, take this, take this. But it was one of those things where, you know, I, I was prepared when the opportunity came, you know, and that's, that's interesting. Cause I was sitting in a hotel kind of concierge lounge couple mm-hmm. days ago and a guy having breakfast near me um older guy and he and i started talking you know whatever just about the day and, and all that stuff and i said so you know what do you have on, on store for today traveling you know catching flights for the hotel after all you know so so what's yeah. going on? he said all i have to do today is figure out what god hasn't planned for me and i went that's a pretty cool statement man like that's yeah. pretty that's pretty deep like um so absolutely yeah that's, it hit that's, me that's pretty hard that's but we got to figure it out right and, and it, yeah. you know it takes some of us longer to figure it out than others but at the end yeah. of the day like Dude, you got, that's a you got a hell of a story, man. So 100 percent sincerity, like I'm impressed, and I, I did literally just follow you on Instagram. So uh, I'll, I'll, follow you <laughs> <laughs> I'll follow you yeah. back. I'll be in line so, for the book when it comes out if I'm in town. I appreciate so, it. Remy, make sure make sure you, you have you on said, your army uniform too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I deserve that. I deserve that. All right, Remy. So you said like when you were, I guess, knocking on doors. Um, your, your drive was for the widow, the orphan to meet them in their distress, to help them, um, to free them of oppression. Right. Scott, I'll I'll tie that back. Um, but now I, I know people who, you know, they, they find that drive, but that doesn't go away. You just find different avenues of approach to still help those kind of people. Um, and you can almost become like a servant to that kind of stuff because I mean, it means so much. So, like, how how is the stuff that you're doing now kind of still tied into that drive and that mission? Um, teaching, you know, uh, speaking, preaching, teaching, um, encouraging, discipling. I have a kid who just left my house. I mean, I just hired this kid as my assistant, and and um, he's working with Robert and getting all of this set up. But I didn't. I, he, his job is not just to work for me. His job is to learn from me. Like I told him, I said, "Hey, I want you to be better than I." I could have ever been, you know, and so he's he comes here and I'm, he's a, he's about to go get put on salary, and I just want him to learn and grow, and that's and that's how I I try to treat everybody, you know, um, as you as you said, I was speaking at at this church and there were a lot of people there who just really needed to be encouraged, needed to be inspired. You know, I've, I've talked to every so many people after the service, people who dealing with abuse, people dealing with you know, parents are going through the board, people are dealing with, I mean, things that you would never know when you see a person walking down the street and, and they were touched by my, my story and by some of the things that I shared and, and taught on. And so the way I do it now is just through my voice, you know, just, just trying to be vocal and, and just be loving, man. I think at the end of the day, you know, you can never go wrong by just genuinely loving people and allowing the love of God to flow through you into the lives of those around you. And like Robert knows, I told him, I said, you know, when he reached out to me for this, I was just like, Hey, I'm here, you know, because who knows the person that's going to listen to this and, and be, be inspired by what Scott said as it related to determination or be inspired by what any of us have said tonight. And, and, and that changes the course of their life. One thing I truly believe in is I believe in the power of story. You know, story has the ability to change lives, has the ability to save lives. I know that it was through story that that partly my life was changed, you know, through movies, which are a form of story. And so um, storytelling is a big thing for me now. Um, I'm actually working on a, a film, uh, a nonfiction film, where I really kind of, you know, hit on 
touch on a lot of things that I've, I've learned throughout the year, but really kind of not just make a movie for entertainment, but make a movie to teach lessons to people who see the film. Uh, and then obviously, you know, I got my book coming out. And, and so that's a form of storytelling and then speaking is a form of storytelling. So just to answer your question in short, you know, just just doing things like this, man, getting the word out there, you know, and encouraging people because you never know that one person or those 10 people who are going to hear this conversation that we're having. And then, the whole course of their life is going to be completely changed. And, you, know? you know, it's awesome, man. Is it, it? I mean, it's awesome because we're doing a pretty crap job as a society of teaching our kids and society as a whole, what it takes to succeed and, you know, how to overcome obstacles. Cause too many, I look at kids nowadays and the first tiny little hiccup of a roadblock that they encounter, it's almost like, all right, I give up, I'm done, you know, and, and, and hearing and having the ability to hear your story and your message and, and not only the, the roadblock, but the series of roadblocks, I mean, and, and just let them know that you're on the other side of that and then offer them a roadmap as to how you get there and that indomitable spirit, right? That's impressive, man. And and that comes off of you and, and, and with a passion is palpable coming off of you. And it's, it's amazing to see. And I can only imagine the impact that you will have on people through that passion and storytelling and whatever also so god bless you for the work and i won't even yeah. mock you for the movie in addition to the book. <laughs> yeah I, I saw scott's face light up i knew something was coming i knew something was coming just remember, just remember, i can't be too serious man just come on to have that have that green beret cock to the right man just have that <laughs> it's a jaunty angle man it's a when you shine your trident, man. You gotta like get that thing. Yeah. It's not shiny enough. You gotta polish it a little more. Yeah, Remy. I also, from what you're saying, man. Like I hear, because you know you have the heart of doing it for other people. There's a lot of consistency in your drive. There's a lot of consistency in your work, and I think that's so important. Whether it be you know you call the benchmark going from a book to a movie. You know it doesn't have to be like that, but you know the consistency in the micro details. Waking up early. You know, yeah. still reaching out to one person every day for 10 minutes trying to help their lives. Um, yeah. Man, yeah, I just see consistency in what you're doing, man. And I'm stoked that we get to be a part of it. But uh, yeah, reaching me, back I, and helping others, yeah. you know, as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. I definitely have a. When that yeah. album drops, dude, I got I to gotta get my hands on that. <laughs> nah, man, I'm not rapping. It's so funny, dude, because uh, I, my uncle, I was looking for that album. That album was produced in 2001, so that was 17 years ago. And um, I, when I left the military, when I left the Bronx, I pretty much left everything behind. And so we, 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 we duplicated a lot of copies. We sold a lot of copies, but... And in the rush of me getting out the Bronx, I, I lost every copy or gave away every copy. And then I was writing my book in December, working on the chapters about the record label. And um, I was like, man, I need that album. Like, I need that album, not just reference, but also for, you know, to help validate the fact that I had an album. Yeah. I had yeah and <laughs> and I, I honestly have never heard of a SEAL rapper. I don't know if that's a thing. So. You might be the first. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was I, I, on the album. I only rapped once, so I was like the the puff daddy. You know, I was like the puff daddy. Rap. <laughs> I did a lot of the management and 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 the production. And 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 so anyway, long story short, my uncle came to my house. We were watching um we were watching uh, uh the college championship a couple weeks ago. He's like Remy. I was because he had just moved out here couple months ago he said remember i was going through my, my box of cds and i found i found your cd i was like what i've been looking for that for a month he's like yeah and so i went over to his house and i got it and and, and, it, and it, the cd is no scratches it's in perfect condition the cover everything is in perfect condition so i uploaded everything on my computer 
And it's very vulgar. It's very, it's very, you know, <laughs> it's just, it brings back so many memories, but it, you know, it's evidence now. So I'll figure, I'm going to yeah, figure out how to release it. <laughs> all right. All right, Puff Remy, we're going to have to have you play that as a background yeah. music during the next podcast. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, some of the things you talked about too, you mentioned all these different things that you kind of look at it and, uh, and calling yourself or referring, you know, referring to yourself and everything. And when I, one of the words that I didn't really hear was uh, mentor or mentoring. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, coaching and mentoring is one of those things you may not be um, actually thinking that you might be doing, but you are uh, through some of the things you're sharing in your story and how you're, you know, demonstrating your passion to others and uh, those beliefs or the things that you found in a determination, like we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, like I, my whole life is about mentorship. As a matter of fact, uh, I call it discipleship, you know, which I think they're two synonymous terms. Um, and obviously yeah. discipleship comes from, from, from the Bible, but it's the same thing. I mean, it's, it's going through life with another person and, and pouring into them and teaching them whatever it is that they need to learn in order to advance. And so, um, so again, my th- mentorship, discipleship, synonymous, synonymous to me is is what I do. Um, and and it's funny because I get hit up all the time on social media from different people. Probably a lot of people from Nigeria. It's interesting. Like, like today, I got another message from a kid in Nigeria. He's like, "Please, can you mentor?" Actually, twice today, two separate people in Nigeria reached out to me, asked me to mentor them. And then over the past three weeks, I've had a few people ask me that question in Nigeria, and I tell them it's impossible for me to mentor everybody especially mentor people who live in another country but <clears throat> social media is such a, an amazing platform because I, I see that as a form of mentorship what you do with your <clears throat> with your social media platform by you know posting those motivational posts and and those pictures people see that i i, I see that as a form of mentorship because absolutely you know there's there there's so many lessons in that and so so that's how i try to also mentor those outside of my sphere of influence is, is, is through the social media um, platforms that we have. So what's the big thing that you try to leave the people as a takeaway as you leave here? This is the one thing I want you to think about. Oh, wow. So many, um, it, well, for one, it, it depends on the, the audience I'm speaking to one, but, um, just work hard. I mean, anything is possible. If you put your mind to it, if you grind, if you don't quit, um, life is hard. Life is very hard. You guys could all attest to that, but, but you just got to grind man. you just got to pick yourself up off the ground. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop saying what was me or I have this setback or I'm this, I'm that. So I can't do this. Stop making excuses for yourself and just figure out a way. Um, that's, that's, that's the biggest message I try to leave with people. Um, I love it. One more thing I'll add to man. Yeah. I think you you'll agree is celebrate small victories. If yeah. you have a massive plan, you know, celebrate passing your swim test, right? I mean, celebrate, yeah. you know, learning the swims because we, yeah. we make these huge plans and then we, we can't judge progress based on, you know, the end state. You have to just put, sometimes it could be taking that next step, literally putting one foot in front of the other is Absolutely. as far as you can go and just celebrating that success. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Eat the elephant one bite at a time. I mean, that's a mantra that we have in Buds. You know, one mm-hmm. of the things that they try to do in Buds is they try to, you know, first, first, they have first hours of hell week. I mean, they, the instructors throw absolutely everything in you. They they throw everything at you. I mean, surf torture, logs, you know, and they, and, they, and then they say, well, you guys have 
You guys have six more days, and this is just the first hour. You guys have six more days left. Do you think you, you guys can't do this? Is just the first hour. You guys are already sucking. How do you think you get? And, and guys should start quitting because, you know, they they think about Friday because uh, Hell Week usually starts on Sunday and so Friday, so they think about Friday and they're just like, yeah, you're right. I can't do this for six more days. Uh, where the guys who make it are the guys who are like, I need to eat the elephant one bite at a time. And, I just made it six seconds. I just made it six and a half seconds. I'm good. Six minutes. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was. For me, it was. I just need to get to the next evolution. <laughs> you know, it was like, or if we get a surf torture right now, I just need to get to lock. I just need to get the boats on heads. You know, it was. As long as I got to the next evolution, that was my big. That was my big celebration point for me. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. About when you're going through these types of programs, or when you're thinking about life and taking those nuggets. It, look yeah. at the next uh, telephone pole if you're on a ruck march, yeah. or yeah. Um, you know, in football they use the analogy: it's three seconds for every down. So just focus on playing as hard as you can for those three seconds, yeah. and then do it again for three seconds, and so on and so forth. And I don't think enough people really listen to that, but that's yeah. a it's a great message, and it really goes back to your whole thing that's got brought up and that's about determination and adaptability and stuff and and how it's yeah it's kind of your message all the way through is uh set a focus and and get determined yeah Yeah. i I mean i learned that buds kind of because i mean another part of my story i didn't get a chance to share with you guys but i went through all the seal training twice (laughs) so i've made it through hell like i graduated from hell week twice i went through all the first phase three times i mean i got i got um i got kicked out of seal training in second phase which is during dive phase and then, and then I got sent back to Camp Pendleton. I was at First Marine Division in the infantry with the Marines as a medic. I waited a year and a half, and then I went back to Bud, started day one of Bud's all over again, made it through Hell Week again, made it to second phase, and then I got to third phase, and I got rolled in third phase, so I had to start third phase all over again, and then I graduated from Bud's. So, um, so that mantra of eating the elephant one bite at a time, I mean, that was – that was uh that was ingrained in me because I've I've gone through all the seal training twice. I've been beat my body is destroyed right now because of going through seal training twice, you know. So I think what what we were just saying about um uh, focusing on the immediate part in front of you and just mm. get into the next part of, of whatever it is you're doing. It, it comes back to that adaptability again, Remy, yeah. you know, with being able to switch from micro and macro views over yes, whatever you're trying to achieve because you know you need to be aware of what the, 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 the overall goal or objective is, but then Absolutely. break that down into smaller chunks and yes, like sir. stop saying and celebrate those as you're going through each stage. So, you know, to, to, to go from start to finish and go back again, but you've still got in the back of your head the overall objective of becoming a SEAL, you know, and, and yes, that sir. fuels your determination, I guess, then to to go back to... Pendleton for a year and a half and, and mm-hmm. keep your level of fitness and your training and, and more importantly your motivation yeah. to keep pushing at that it's, it's it's a massive thing because a lot of people if if they get kicked off something or get put down by something just completely wrap yeah. you know yeah. and, and just, and just say alright maybe this isn't for me I'll move on to something else Yeah, but that's when the excuses that start coming up yeah. yeah absolutely you yeah. know so that's, that's a credit to you mate fair play thank you brother Hey man, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, and sh- uh, sharing your story. And I'm sure I'm I'm almost positive you have probably about five or six more failure stories and how you picked yourself back up or right. obstacles that you've ran into. I mean, it, it you've had some pretty amazing stories of what you've already shared. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it blows us away for sure. Yeah, yeah, I got a lot. I got a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot but you know, 
I thank God for like Michael Jordan, you know, he talks about <clears throat> failures a lot and he talks about how, you know, every failure is what made him who he is, yeah. you know, made him the greatest NBA player of all time. So, you know, that's, I have a message that I share when I talk to corporations and, and the title of the message is I am a failure. <laughs> so essentially that's the title and that essentially tell everybody, hey, I, I'm, you, you guys see me, and you, you see a winner, but in reality I'm a failure, but, no. but the end I goal. Tell, yeah. I tell people the same thing all the time, man. I'm like, yeah. any, any soft training is designed just simply to make you fail. There'll be situations in which you cannot pass or win, no matter what you think of, how hard you try, how much energy you put into it, you're going to fail. And, but you learn to accept it. And, and like Scott Johnson keeps saying, you just learn to be adaptable and accept it, right size it, put it in its proper place and, and move out and draw fire, right? I mean, and, and that's what's impressive about you, man, is you just exude that it's okay. I am a failure, but I'm happy to be a failure because I've exactly. done more failing than you'll ever do in your life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fail, failing forward. Failing <laughs> and then, forward. And then, and, then, and then, you know, my, my, the lesson that I, the ultimate lesson that I, I kind of end with in that talk is that, you know, a failure is only a failure if you don't learn from it. If you learn from it, it's a lesson. And so okay. essentially all of those failures, I turned them into lessons and those lessons have made me who I am today. You know, so yeah, gives you wisdom. Yeah, it definitely does. Definitely does, man. A lot, a lot of kids nowadays need to just get punched in the face over and over and over again. Yeah, um, and into that. Hit hit the wall over and over and over again because yeah, if they don't. If we keep, I, I, I was listening to a sermon while I was working out today, and I wrote down a quote from the message because it was just so powerful. And uh, he said, uh, on, I wrote it down. He said. Uh, in the name of compassion, we often exalt mediocrity. Oh, like, wow. man. Like, that's so true. In the name of compassion, trying to be compassionate, we, we, we exalt mediocrity, you know, being mediocre, being, you know, subpar. And I was just like, wow, you know, so many kids, they, they you know, they're just in the name of compassion. People are just saying, you know, it's OK to be mediocre. But right. I think a lot of kids just need to fail and their parents need to let them fail and not and not praise them so that they could, you know, learn how to pick themselves up and, and, and do great things. And that sense of entitlement that ends up coming out as well. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody's a winner. That's, that's part of the problem these days now with society going to no losers in anything. You know, you yeah. go to sports events and everyone gets a, a prize for competing. And, <laughs> Participation and, trophies, you know. man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they don't learn that lesson of failure then. Yeah. No. Like Remy was saying, it, it's only a failure if you quit from it. If you, you learn from it, it's a lesson. But absolutely. because you aren't showing kids how to fail, they aren't learning those lessons and, and they aren't able to move on from it. So when life really happens and, you know, life is hard and it's difficult and, and things get in your way, when they come across those obstacles, then all they know how to do is just see the obstacle and not yeah. take the lesson from it and move past it. And they just slip into automatic failure mode, you know, and, and that's an, a massive negative thing, I think, for society these days. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%, man. Absolutely. Well, again, appreciate you coming on, Remy, and sharing your story. I, I'm sure that people are going to take a lot of out of this. And, um, you know, again, it's a, it's really awesome the way you came on and shared it and, and shared the passion that you have from it and everything as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys, and God bless you guys. And, you know, you guys know how to get in contact with me if you ever need anything. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was good to meet you, brother. Thanks for Absolutely. all you're doing for everybody. I appreciate yeah. it.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran-owned companies, and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way. The frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code mentors for mil or mentors the number 4 mil at SkeletonOptics.com, and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.